Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, our discussion revolves around the most valuable skills for the next century. Wow. I would take credit for that brilliant title, but I do owe it to my upcoming guest. Maya Grossman is a marketing executive with 15 years of experience taking products to market and driving growth for Fortune 500 companies like Microsoft and Google, as well as fast-growing startups. She is a speaker, a career coach, and most recently, the author of Invaluable, Master the Skills You Need to Skyrocket Your Career, an unconventional business book for employees who want to deliver exceptional results. So as I mentioned, today's topic touches on the most valuable skills for the next century. So don't just listen to this episode if you need a job tomorrow. Listen to it if you're someone who wants to put in the hard work and use these skills along the way. Because ultimately, I believe that this is the key to getting yourself promoted and moving your career in the best direction for you. All right, Maya, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. It is awesome to have you on the show. And today we're going to talk about the most valuable skills for the next century. And as a listener, I just my mind would be boggled just hearing something like that. So you tell me what specifically we're going to be talking about today. So we're actually going to be talking about soft skills. And here's why I think for more than 100 years, we've known that soft skills are actually a better way to determine career success. About 75% of your career success is determined by soft skills. But even though we know that, most of us actually spend more time on our hard skills about our profession. And I think the more that we kind of move into an era where education is democratized and anyone can learn a profession, you can do it, you know, on YouTube, on an online course, it becomes harder and harder to actually stand out and be able to become this invaluable employee. And I think the only way to do that is to focus on your soft skills. And that means your mindset. It means your values. It means how you actually approach the work that you're doing. Because you can be, you know, a great professional and not get along with people and not get the buy-in that you need in order to, you know, run different projects and be able to get opportunities within the workplace. So we're going to be talking about those skills that have nothing to do with your profession and everything to do with who you are and how you position yourself within the workplace. Awesome. I want to clarify for just for listeners in their own minds. Could you give an example of a soft skill versus a hard skill? I know a lot of people get tripped up. I know when I talk with them. Yeah, of course. So your soft skills are attributions that has to do a lot more with your social abilities, your communication skills, your mindset. So for example, if you have an owner's mindset, if you are accountable, those are soft skills. If you know how to use Google Analytics, that's a hard skill. Okay. So I, I always get tripped up because we, you know, as resume writers, we're so focused on the hard skills like Google Analytics and like, you know, if I was applying for an audio editor position, it would be just experience with like logic or different software. But you're saying that soft skills are 
more people focused and potentially could be able to apply for a broad application, essentially. Exactly. And unfortunately, this is the thing that you don't usually put on your resume. And even if you do, it's very hard to prove. It's not as clear cut as, you know, I have this many years of experience. So it's something that you need to demonstrate when you actually do the work. And like, it's so funny because like we just put out a piece of content, I think last week that said, and I hope not to offend anyone listening to this who loves their soft skills, because today's episode is all about the importance of soft skills. But in this survey that was given out to a bunch of recruiters, they said that the thing that they were not so much focused on looking at in terms of, you know, scanning for resumes were those soft skills. And I think that's because of exactly of what you said, which is it's such a hard thing to prove on a piece of paper that you are an accountable person or you are someone who, you know, is a great leader or great communicator, but it's something that we need to show. Before we go into some of these examples, which I think are just going to be awesome, tell me how job seekers can show these soft skills and demonstrate that they might be a good fit for a role. I actually wrote about it. I think it was yesterday. If we're looking into the resume step, that's actually a little bit harder. But if you make it to that first interview or the second interview, this is where you can actually try and stand out. And I would say creating something like a 30, 60, 90 plan, which basically means, you know, you're going to understand the company, you're going to understand the role, and you're going to find gaps that you can actually start talking about, which basically means you imagine that you got the job and you put together like a work plan of what you would actually do. And if you're able to do that, one, you demonstrate that you're a learner because you took the time to actually learn about the company, understand their problems, and then you were able to apply that you know, information and the insights you gained in order to apply what you know how to do. In my case, you know, it's marketing and put together a plan that actually makes sense. It also shows that you're the kind of person who would hit the ground running you are a doer. You're not someone who just talks because you took the time to put together that specific plan. So I think that's a really, really great way to demonstrate, you know, those soft skills. And you can do it through talking as well. But I think showing is so much more powerful in the interview process. And, you know, if you really need to gain that opportunity and you need to to even get yourself to the interview stage, I would say create a value validation project, which is quite similar to the 30, 60, 90 plan. It's just not as elaborate. So, you know, if you don't know if you already have an interview, you don't want to spend 20 hours necessarily creating that huge plan, but you can create a smaller project. So, you know, if I was, let's say, a data scientist, then I would go and gather all the information I can about a company. I will try and come up with some insights as to their customers, their markets, something interesting, and then send that to the hiring manager. And again, just having the mindset to actually think about that, take action, you know, take the time to actually be mindful about them and do something for them. I think that really demonstrates those abilities and those soft skills. I love that. I can already hear just a bunch of listeners just singing the praises right now that soft skills are not only back, but they are so powerful and even important within uh, the job application process. I think what we're going to be going over in the next you know, 15 minutes or so are 
some soft skills that anyone can take away, regardless of whatever industry you're in, you know, regardless if you are within software development or you are in a more of like a people facing position, like customer service or like a front desk manager or something like that. And so, yeah, I was just reading through your book the other day and I just was loving some of these examples that you gave in terms of these skills for the next century, these awesome soft skills that we can use. So I'll, we'll kind of free flow here. I'll kind of let us take it wherever we need to, but let's give an example for some of our listeners right now about what some of those soft skills can be. Yeah. So the book actually has 10 soft skills and it starts with having an owner's mindset. And it's a really nice way of saying you are not only focused on your own job and your own kind of narrow point of view, but rather you think like an owner. So you look at the bigger picture, you think about the company as a whole, and you believe that your goal is to make that company successful, not Mm. just do your job. And it's the first skill in the book for a reason, because it's the basis for everything that comes after. And it's a little bit challenging to adopt that mindset because it's very hard for us to make a concession or, you know, to do extra work now when we know... Unless you're an owner of a business. Of course, and then you don't have a choice. But when you're an employee, it's a little bit harder because the actual reward will not happen immediately. going to happen, you know, Mm. months or years in the future because you will be Mm. able to build yourself up and, you know, grow within that organization. So I think just having that mindset, having that ability to ask the right questions, to really focus on what's right for the company and not just what's right for you right now. It's the ability to think about Mm. the day-to-day and the execution and always want to do your best, but also being able to take a step back and think about the bigger picture and a 30,000 point of view because you need to understand how all the parts come together. If you're only focused on what's happening right now, you're not going to be ready for next year. So you have to mm. kind of go back and forth between those two. We talk about like it's it may be more long term in terms of the benefit I might get from having that owner mentality. Why would I want to have an owner mentality? Like what kind of return could I get if I am putting in 110% by really caring about every little detail and things like that? From my experience, what happens when you start having that point of view is you start noticing things that other people can't see. You start seeing how different departments work together. You start seeing how the business operates. And it really allows you to find opportunities for growth. And not just on a personal level, but also from a career perspective, you start finding problems that you can fix. And when you fix a problem, you actually learn a new skill. And you can, you know, add something to your resume, but it also positions you, you know, as the kind of person that a company really wants to employ and retain for the long term. So I Mm. think it mostly allows you to have a very different perspective and that perspective opens doors for you. I love that. That makes a lot of sense to me. And it's easy for me to think right now because I've been an owner for the last five or six years. So every little thing counts, you know, and it does come back to pay dividends. But, you know, I think from the perspective of someone who just is working for another company, I can see some people, you know, not coming from that approach necessarily. 
but showing them the benefit of that, you know, how you can take control and end up reaping the rewards of your hard work really makes a big difference. And I think it's important to say, I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, oh, it's just a way to get us to work 24 (laughs) seven. But that's, but that's not the the, man. Yeah, it's not the case. It's not about how many hours you put in. It's about how smart you work and how you're able to put the company first, not just because, you know, you're loyal. I think a lot of people are scared of that word these days being loyal. And I think loyalty is not necessarily just how you feel about a company. It's also how you get yourself motivated. And when you care for Mm. the company you work for, your days are that much better. You have energy, you have motivation, and you keep yourself going for yourself so that you can find more opportunities, so that you can grow personally and professionally. Again, if that's your goal, if this is how you define success. And yeah. There was this Instagram post, it was on like hashtag careers that it really bothered me earlier. It was just this post that basically said that like, never ever fall in love with a company you work for or never, you know, like never become even slightly attached to your company because they don't give a crap about you. And like, I get it. I get the like resentment and like the companies really, for the most part, are profit focused. And so I think they tend to get, you know, a bad rap. But I mean, what you miss out on, I think in terms of that is I think you're just a happier person in general if you're able to get that chemistry going between you and that company. And so, you know, I think that's a really good point that ownership mentality can really bring you back to that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, a company is made of people. And at least from my experience, when you do great things for them, 90% of the time, they will do great things for you. It doesn't always work. Some people are not great. And, you know, You're going to have to decide whether or not you want to stay with a company that, you know, where you're not treated fairly or well. But for the most part, you're talking to people and you do great things for them. They will reciprocate. Love it. I think that's awesome. So let's give another example for soft skills that people can use for the next century. What is another one that people should be cognizant of? Yeah, I think it's great to kind of jump actually into the second one because it's a big one. And having that lifelong learner mentality, understanding that you can grow and change and improve. And on a long enough timeline, you can pretty much do anything you set your mind to if you're willing to take the time and actually learn and invest in yourself. And here's the thing, most people don't really do that. So when you're, we're in school, we're in university, we're kind of forced to keep learning. There's a schedule, you have to do things, But the minute you get out to the real world, no one is telling you what to do. No one is showing you what you should be learning. So it's very hard to take that initiative and actually, you know, make sure that you keep on learning. And I think people who are able to do that, who are able to have that work frame where they continuously grow and learn. And I think it's true in every profession right now you know, with technology, everything is moving so quickly. I think by the time you graduate, most of what you learn is no longer relevant. So you have to (laughs) upskill and uplevel yourself all the time. Yeah, that's the pitch for, you know, we talked about like why soft skills are super important. I think hard skills are overrated. I think, you know, nowadays, because you are right, like those hard skills are important, but the knowledge or like, they really evolved so much. Like I could learn javascript or i could learn you know some hard skill five years ago but that could be completely irrelevant today 
And uh, sorry if you're a coder right now, and that technically wasn't true. I don't know JavaScript, but <laughs> you get the point. Hard skills evolve, whereas these soft skills are just so global, you know? Yeah, I definitely think that if you're able to grow these soft skills, you're going to be able to future-proof your career because no matter what happens in terms of technology, job descriptions, maybe, you know, AI will take over the world, but we will still have this little <laughs> place where we need people who are integrators, people who are leaders, people who can use those communication skills yeah. and, you know, actually put all the pieces together. So I definitely think soft skills are the way to go. So go back to being a lifelong learner, like what would that look like in my day-to-day -day life if I do decide to take the learning thing up a notch? Yeah, so what I teach in the book and what I've been doing for years is I'm trying to automate the process of learning because it's really hard to kind of get in the right mood and then go and search for something interesting to learn about or go into different platforms. It's just too much overhead and we're going to procrastinate if we have to do it every single time. So I try to come up with a system where information comes to me and it has a couple of different parts of how you built that kind of growth machine. For example, you can sign up for newsletters and different updates that will come into your inbox. I don't know what about you, but when I have an email, I feel obligated to check it out. So I try to have no more it's a than, problem for me, actually. <laughs> yeah, I try to have no more than like 10 newsletters at every given time and they change yeah. because sometimes you know if i don't open one of them for a really long time i just unsubscribe because i understand that the value they're offering is just not relevant for me sure so i would have that list of information coming into my inbox i would also go and find influencers or experts that i want to follow and i will follow all of them on the same social media channel and here's why. It's so much easier for me when I, I mean, I'm going to be on social media every day for sure. I try not to, right. but I'm still going to do it. So at least right. when I scroll through my feed, I'm not only going to see, you know, celebrities and food and fun stuff. I'm also going to get some educational content in the process. And I think if you're able to take all of those influencers and put them in one place, it's also easier because then you don't have to go to YouTube and Instagram and LinkedIn. To, you can do it in one place. <laughs> Going back to, I think that's one of the reasons why I tell people to really be mindful of the people they follow on LinkedIn or even the connection requests, because that ends up becoming your LinkedIn feed that you end up yeah. scrolling through and it does become more automatic. So by doing what you're saying, which is to be actually conscious and self-aware of you know, these are the types of people who I want to learn from or I want to gather information from and then actively follow them. I think that can make a really huge difference. You and I talked about the lifelong learner thing I get obsessed about. I love it. For me, I believe in it wholeheartedly. And you and I talked about, you know, I subscribed to, I think it was that masterclass. And I was taking one from Sarah Blakely, who is the co-founder of Spanx. And I found her story to be so inspiring and so amazing. And to be able to follow her, I'm following her on LinkedIn as well, but to see her journey and like what got her, you know, through steps A, B, C, and D to where she is today, you know, that really has already taken me a long way in terms of my inspiration and the things that I'm, you know, working on actively right now. Be a lifelong learner. We can't say that enough. I think it's great. All right. I think we have time to go over another one here. So let's hear another example of soft skills for the century here. 
Yeah, I'm going to pick one that is a little bit controversial, and we're going to talk about accountability. Now, the concept of accountability is not controversial, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what it means to be to have extreme accountability. So let's start by mm. having a good definition. I think a lot of people get confused between being accountable and being responsible. And I love to give this example to really explain the difference. So if you were a, a responsible employee and I gave you a task to write a blog post and have it ready by Tuesday. Then you're gonna write the blog post and you're gonna have it ready by Tuesday. And that's great, but it's not enough. Someone who's accountable will look at my request, understand that actually the topic is not the right one for our audience. They will do the research, figure out the right topic, will write a completely different blog post and they will still do it within the time frame that I ask them to do it. And I think that's a huge difference. Having that mindset of always wanting to do the right thing and not just following orders, you know, blankly. And people who are accountable to themselves and to other people, they really believe that they control their own future and their own destiny. They don't mm. blame other people. They have what we call an internal locus of control. They believe they are responsible for everything that happens to them. And this is where the extreme part comes in. If you really take it to an extreme and you talk about having extreme accountability, you believe that everything that happens in your life is your fault, basically. And I'm talking everything. Let's unpack that. That's a big one that I know a lot of people, they push back, but I want to hear it. I have my own opinion on this. So just to make it very clear, if I go out to the street right now and a piano falls on my head, that's my fault. This is how crazy this belief is. And I think, you know, I'm obviously taking yeah. it to extreme to prove a point, but right. the idea behind it is that if everything is my fault, then I have the control and the power to change everything that happens to me because mm. I can actually react to it. If it's my fault, I can actually fix it. You know, I think the way that I found this to be valuable to me Every time that something happens and I start complaining or, you know, I start blaming other people, I remind myself, you know what, that's actually my fault. And then I'm able to take a step back and think, okay, if it's my fault, what can I do different so it doesn't happen again? And I think it just gives you a lot more perspective and more just ownership of who you are and what yeah. you do. I was going to say, do you think having that attitude makes you a happier person or a more fulfilled person if you do take that accountability to that level? I think so. I am the kind of person who doesn't like ambiguity. So when I don't neither, have control, so. <laughs> yeah, when I don't have control, it really bugs me. So yeah. I prefer to take that, you know, responsibility, be accountable, even though it means that I admit I made a mistake or that I'm not perfect because I know I can fix it. And then yeah. I feel better that I actually took action and did something with it instead of just complaining. Yeah. yeah, I think that is also my belief and my opinion on it too. And I don't know when it was when I made that fundamental shift to really taking things into my own hands and being responsible for things. But I did notice my levels of stress and just my general anxiety would go down when I said, okay, this is a situation that I hate, but I'm taking full responsibility for being in the situation in the first place. 
therefore I can actually control and do things to take myself out of that situation. I'm glad you brought it up. I don't think we've ever talked about it before. And, you know, there may be some listeners in their heads pushing back right now, but I would just invite them to open up just for one second and and to listen to how this can be a really powerful concept, because I think it really is. So in a practical sense, Maya, let me just make this applicable for job seekers or someone in a job right now. Let's say that I've been working for X company for like the last two years. It's evolved to something I hate. I'm miserable. I feel like this is something that I, you know, they've just given me more and more of a workload and I'm just getting really frustrated because they, you know, fired people to my left and to my right. And now I'm the one taking the full responsibility. It sucks. I don't even like doing what I'm doing. How would I use the principle of full accountability to just make a better situation out of this? I think you actually need to use a few more skills to turn this situation into something a little bit better. And let me start by saying, if you're miserable at work and you have the privilege of going somewhere else, do that. You don't deserve to hate your job. We spend so much time at work. It does not make sense for you to Mm. be miserable. Now, obviously, I'm not saying quit the minute something goes wrong. If you tried and it doesn't work and you you did your best, this is when you start thinking about your next move. But if you don't have that privilege and, you know, you need to put, you know, food on the table and you need to get that paycheck, I would say the shift starts in your head. So first and foremost, I would try to find a way to fall in love with what you're doing, whether it's your specific profession, whether it's the product or the company you work for or the industry. And, you know, if you can't find joy with the people around you. Maybe the product itself, you know, is exciting for you. Maybe it's a topic you care about. Maybe the industry is growing. You see a future within that industry. So you're going to use your time with the company to gain more skills. And I think when you start looking at it from that perspective, okay, it's not great that I'm here, but if I spend another six months here or another year here, and I'm going to gain these specific skills, when I leave here, I'm going to be able to level up. I'm going to be able to take the next It's not time wasted. Yeah, it's not time wasted. So instead of coming every morning and just hating what you do, you know, think about yourself and your career and try to imagine how taking that extra work and doing more is actually setting you up for success in your next Mm. goal. At least for me, I find that it's just motivating and it's, you know, putting the focus on yourself instead of the company. And I think where accountability comes in is where you don't stop being your best self just because you don't like the people around you or you feel you know you're not treated fairly you still give 120% because you know that this is how you position yourself for success thank you for saying that that is gosh that is so key if i i'm thinking to certain friends and people i've known in the past and if they could just take that one thing and make it real for them i think they'd be a lot happier and they they'd feel like it wasn't time wasted And they can make that transition even faster or better, you know, whatever into the next thing that comes in their life. Maya, you've been awesome. You've been such a great guest with such awesome insights. I want to hear if you have any last words of advice where I always ask people this, if you could tattoo one encouraging message for every person or every career warrior right now, what would that message be? Well, if it's going to be a tattoo, we have to keep it short. So I would say, (laughs) (laughs) I would probably say, yes, you can. Because, you know, if I'll be looking at my arm every single day, I need that motivation, especially when I'm close to breaking. And here's the thing. And this is what, you know, I would love for people to take away from this podcast, from reading the book. 
You can do anything you set your mind to. Seriously, if it does not defy the laws of physics, you can do it. But you need to have a goal, you need to have a plan, and you need to follow through. And developing soft skills, this is what allows you to have that mindset, to stick with it, to actually get things done, where most people just let go and just, you know, let life happen to them. Know that you can have the career of your dreams. You can do anything you want, but you need to have a plan so that you can actually get there. Love it. Words of wisdom from Maya Grossman. Thanks so much for being on the show. Let's hear about this book. When did it come out and why did you write it? So Invaluable came out a couple of weeks ago on September 15th. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was actually a number one bestseller on Amazon. So it's doing really well. And I'm very excited with all the positive feedback. But here's the story kind of behind it. So I've been a marketer for 15 years, about 10 years out of those 15. um, I've been a manager. And I love working with, you know, team members. I love helping other people find their way into a more fulfilling career and, you know, just maximizing their potential. And I've been doing it for years one-on-one. And at some point I realized, you know what, if I take all this advice and put it into a book, I can reach more people and hopefully help more people, you know, build that amazing career that makes them happy every single day. And yeah, just a year ago, one day I just sat down and started writing, you know, eight months later, we had a book. Yeah, that's the story. Well, it's great. And as I mentioned earlier, I have started my journey reading it and I've skimmed through most of it and just know that I will reading it and just I love what you have so far. I love the examples and the your own personal story. I love when, you know, you kind of draw in personal examples. It makes all the difference for me. So thanks for sharing that with the world and keep crushing it with the book. That's awesome about being a bestseller. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, seriously, the only thing I'm trying to get out of this is to help other people enjoy their career the way that I have and whatever their definition of success is to help them get there. Awesome. Well, hopefully we've inspired people listening to this podcast now just to get out there and work on those soft skills. And not only that, but really to kind of take life in their own hands and realize that there is an amazing career out there for every single person. You know, I don't care what your background is, but we all have so much potential and so many amazing opportunities waiting for us. So thanks for bringing that to light and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Chris. Perfect. And for you listeners, really enjoyed getting into some of those specific examples of soft skills, something we never talk about on this podcast, and talking about why they can be invaluable for you, not just as a job seeker, but as a career warrior. We don't want you just landing that next job and being in it and being unhappy. We want you happy throughout every step of the journey. And that's why we do these podcast episodes with our guests here. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.